الحمد لله تعالى نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس تقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يتئ الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله تعالى وخير لهجه محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدع وكل بدعة ضلالة we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a blessed praise. We seek his peace and blessings upon our beloved messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, upon his family, his companions, and those who follow them until the end of time. We know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he swears in the Qur'an that the Qur'an itself is like stars. فَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِمَوَاقِعِ النُّجُومِ وَإِنَّهُ لَقَسَمُوا لَوْ تَعْلَمُونَ عَظِيمِ إِنَّهُ لَقُرْآنٌ كَرِيمٌ Allah swears by the stars, and then he says, you know, I swear by the stars, it is the Qur'an. One of the scholars, Ibn Qayyim, said, because the job of the stars in those times, you know, they asked the Prophet about these things, was to guide people at night. So the job of the Qur'an is during the difficult times we face in this life, where we seem unable to have basira, to see clearly and make it through certain situations, when life metaphorically becomes like night, the Qur'an serves as a star for us to follow, as a light for us to follow through difficult times. Being in college is extremely difficult. I, uh, I went to college here, and also I went to college in Egypt, and I did a degree in education uh, in America. And as a convert at the age of 19, 20 years old, you know, I found myself sometimes running into, especially in Oklahoma, you didn't have like the IC, obviously. Uh, you didn't even have one halal store, uh, hard to believe now, uh, in the city that I grew up in. And I'm not trying to sound like an uncle, just keeping it real. And I remember that in those times it would be somewhat difficult to navigate um, some of the perplexities of being young. You know, the, the paradox of being young is we think we know everything, but we know nothing. We think that we can share a tremendous amount of knowledge that's rooted in experience, yet we don't have a lot of experience, so we tend to get frustrated with the pace of old people. And alhamdulillah, I was lucky to have a teacher that I was able to memorize the Qur'an with like a traditional madrasa, and it really served me well. So what I'd like to talk to you, t you know, today about is number one, give yourself a break. Um, being young is not easy. Uh, the complexities of the academy itself, some of the assumptions of the academy towards non-Christian religions, towards non-people of, uh, towards people of color, uh, are profound in ways that are, are, are not clear and evident to the student. 
and at the same time the social apparatus in the university engaging your own physiological reality the first time maybe you've ever thought about your 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 sexuality you've ever engaged maybe with the opposite gender a lot of things happen in the university that can create a tremendous amount of tamsul basira so that's why the quran is extremely important and you know i see our sisters like really in a small place the brothers could like scoot forward brothers come off the wall let's give the sisters like some you know much more comfortable uh befitting kind of seating uh, as the Prophet said, istawsul binisa'i khaira, treat women well. And as the Prophet said, rifqa bi qawarir, you know, you should honor women, right? You should treat women in, in the proper way. And I'm sure it wasn't done uh, out of some patriarchal burst of, you know, testosterone, but still, uh, we need to make sure that everybody feels comfortable and welcome in the community and make space. And then for our elders who need the wall, if the brothers here who are like under 30 can get over so the brothers can use the wall who need the wall. Because some of us may have not, like myself, taken our leave this morning. But what are some lessons that we can take quickly from Sota Kaf that we read every Friday that will help us as college students? I found a tremendous uh, blessing in reading Sota Kaf as much as I could. I couldn't read it every Friday in college because, of course, exams, finals, midterms, papers, assignments, the pressure, and even sometimes just the emotional stress uh, of being in college. And then as a convert, uh, you, you add that to that, that's a, that's a heavy bar, that's about 10, 45 pound plates. And it becomes very difficult to keep that up. But there's a few lessons we can quickly take because I think the university khutbah needs to be like a shot of ginseng. Just need to get it and go. Doesn't need to, need to be too long. The first lesson that we take from Surah Al-Kaf, which the Prophet encouraged us to read every Friday, who said, alayhi salatu salam, as related by Al-Hakim, be Sanad and Sahih, whoever reads this chapter every Friday, a light, interestingly enough, will shine from them. That will be seen by the angels and Ahlas Sama, the people in the heavens for the following week. The first is the importance of having a relationship with Tawheed. And it's extremely important that you have an individual and intimate relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet's relationship, Iqra' bismi rabbika, begins with Allah and it ends, turja'una ilallah. The last verse sent to the Prophet reminds him that you're going back to Allah and in the middle of revelation, you're constantly in a state of transition to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And how can you do that? Number one is to ask questions that deal with your doubts. It's okay to doubt. A man came to the Prophet sallallahu Sahih Muslim. He said, I have doubts. And the Prophet said to him, That's pure faith. Number two is understand that your relationship with the hereafter, that my relationship with the hereafter is meant to discipline my soul and keep me away from sin and vice. So two areas that are going to strengthen my tawheed. Learning and avoiding sin. And avoiding sin involves two things. Establishing worship. And number two, avoiding evil. That's why Allah says, وَأَمَّا مَنْ خَافَ مَقَابْمَ رَبِّهِ Whoever fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fears meaning Allah. In another verse, Whoever establishes this relationship with Allah based on reverence and avoids sin will be the people of paradise. That also involves, learn, involves learning what Tawheed is. The problem with the Sunni Muslim community is we're perhaps the most uneducated formal community in America when it comes to religion. We assume that we know. We are highly entertained. We watch YouTube clip after YouTube clip. We look at the Snapchat Imam. We feel a sense of, wow, this is so awesome. But we haven't really sat down and learned our theology from A to Z. And that's a problem for the young Muslim because when you start to get out in the deep, deep side of the academy, you may be presented, and most of you here don't have to worry about liberal arts, mashallah, alhamdulillah. 
but especially in the liberal arts, you're going to start to run into questions, philosophical assumptions, logic, and so on and so forth that may rock your iman. And if you don't go in there equipped, that's why it's called Sirat al-Mustaqim. It's a path, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long path that you have to prepare for. Your iman may get rocked. And you may deal with intellectuals who know how to bang with you. Right? And if you're not equipped for that, you may find yourself in trouble. So Allah says, Alhamdulillahi alladhi anzara ala abadihi al-kitaba walam yaj'al lahu iwaja. Allah mentions that this book was sent, there's no crookedness in it. And then he says, those who lied and said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warada, Allah had a son. So he establishes a relationship with Allah and a relationship with Tawheed. The second lesson that we take from Surah Al-Kaf that's very important, I can attest to this, uh, when I was in college, is the ability to work with groups and have a strong sense of community and friendship and brotherhood and sisterhood. That's why Imam Ibn Khaldun, he opens up the Muqaddimah, he says, Al-Insan, human beings, ijtima'u li taba. The nature of human beings is to be social. And the Prophet said that the first sheep to get eaten is the sheep that's by itself. And that's why we find in Surah Al-Kaf, ila al-Kaf. A group of young people, right? It wasn't one, it wasn't two, it was a group of fitya, youth, who were able to work together. One of the greatest challenges of MSAs I've ever seen is ego. And one of the greatest challenges in the Muslim community to work is ego. And ego, subhanAllah, really, it's, it's, a, it's a problematic thing because it destroys potential. Like fire destroys wood. So the second is that you should have some friends. And not just friends in the sake of like religiously fashionable friends. You know, because oftentimes our friendships turned into who can be the most religious, right? Who can be the best? That's good if that's sincere, but oftentimes it's used in ways which are unhealthy, judgmental. We've come across people who've come into MSAs. They may not know a lot, right? And they're immediately blindsided by the sheriff in town and made to feel so uncomfortable. I know a sister, subhanAllah, who's a good sister, who said I didn't go to MSA throughout my undergrad and my grad because of experiences I had in the mosque on my campus as a freshman. And this is like an incredibly talented person. This is someone whose spirit, whose warmth, whose in intelligence would have been able to contribute tremendously to the MSA. The third lesson that we take is not to sell out anything for our principles. And this is one of the challenges we face now in the Muslim community, particularly during the Obama era, and specifically now under Trump. Because the Obama era presented Islamophobia with a smile on its face. Let's not forget that mapping of this city happened under Obama, although it was a city-wide thing. Let's not forget that the bombings in Afghanistan, people being droned, turned into jelly, happened under Obama. And let's not forget that CVE was created under the Obama administration which is perhaps the most harmful, strategic, structural engagement of Islamophobia that we have ever witnessed as a community. Because it does it with a smile on its face, and it makes the Muslims responsible now for policing each other. So we create a divide and conquer model. Under Trump, the only thing we can say that's nice about Trump is he admits he hates you. But in the face of those challenges, we're going to find the opportunity for utility and agency. And that means that we're going to have sellouts. People who either out of fear, they don't have enough kufistic, turbanistic gusto to stand on principle, 
or opulence. I received a phone call 10 years ago. A person said to me, if you stop talking the way you talk, we'll make you famous. I said, what happens if I keep talking about these things, political things, race in America? They said, we'll make you like Siraj Wahaj. I said, what do you mean? Siraj Wahaj is a star. They said, yes, but we plan to isolate him from the community. And then suddenly came out our Imam, Imam Siraj, the Imam of most of us who converted in the 90s. You know, unindicted co-conspirator. What does it mean, unindicted? That means unindicted but used to try to push him to the side because Imam Siraj, those who know him, know that he's a person of principle. So now as you go through your ac academic career, it's funny, you'll constantly feel the need to water down your religion, but you'll never feel the need to water down your academy in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you have to have a very serious conversation about what are your non-negotiables as a person of faith. What are your non-negotiables as a follower of Sayyidina Muhammad Doesn't mean that you're also on the opposite side is absolute lunacy, right? Irrational conservatism, irresponsible liberalism, Islam is in the middle. But for example, why is there no Black Lives Matter signs in front of mosque in America? Because we see utility in whiteness. So to partner with something like BLM, who we may have serious spiritual Disagreements with, we can talk those out. That's a healthy conversation. But to make Chuck angry, Chuck being the metaphor for my people, to make him angry may compromise our ability for utility and opulence as we see it in America. Shulta Kaf comes down at the same moment this happens in the life of the Prophet. The Quraysh come to him and say, look, just stop. We'll make you a king. We'll give you utility. Water down your religion and use it as agency to gain something. And the Prophet ﷺ understands that I cannot negotiate this. And their demands were twofold. That he stop preaching. And here's the interesting point. That you stop hanging around the poor people. Three, that you stop hanging around the non-Arabs. See, you can't separate race and religion in most situations. You can't separate the marginalized and poverty and religion in most situations. The concern I have for the recent engagement of Islam over the last 20 or 30 years in the Muslim world has been a hyper-fixture on theology. Right? A hyper-fixture on theology that's divorced us from the ability to calibrate anything that speaks to our social realities in this country. We've gone 360 from where Al-Hajj Malik Shabazz was. But the Prophet refuses. And Allah sends in Surah Al-Kaf, وَصْبِرْ نَفْسَكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِيِّ Be patient with those, meaning Bilal and Suhaib and Salman, and the family of Ammar, and the poor Habashi woman. Be patient with those who call to Allah. Stay with those people. Stay down with those people. What, and do not allow your eye to divert to zinat al-hayat al-dunya, to the beauty of this life. So now as I move through life, I have to ask myself on the foundational non-negotiables, being a good person, establishing my prayer, holding on to my faith, being a good citizen, engaging my neighborhood, being a good volunteer and serving others. Am I going to sell those out for agency and utility? The Prophet said to us very profoundly, I'm never worried that you're going to make shirk. 
What I'm worried What I worry about for you is this this worldly life, man. It will take you out. So there's just a few lessons we can take as young people that we should think about from Sota Kaf. Nothing overly intellectual. Very simple. Having a relationship with God based on knowledge and disciplining the soul. Working together as a community and being mature enough to understand that we're not a monolith. We're a very diverse community that has a tremendous amount of potential, especially as America becomes more diverse. By 2040, the minority will become the majority. And then the third is holding on to principles and not selling out for utility and success. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and yuhabbib ilayna kitabah. We ask Allah to make his book beloved to us. We ask Allah to make us better people uh, and to be true followers of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Foundational principles from the Quran, Ashatabi al Maliki. He says that in general, the Quran is a foundational text. It's the foundation that everything can be built off of. Al Qawaid, Al Asasiyat, Al Maqasid. Right, these universal kind of profound axioms. That's what we're talking about. Now we can derive from Surah Tukaf. Number one, and na'budullah is to establish the worship of Allah in our lives. That intimacy, that dhawq, that taste for worship. Number two, the importance of community. How long, because of our focus on theology in the last 30 years as a community and distancing ourselves from the human side of Islam, our studies in theology have allowed us not to appreciate the diversity of our community. So we divided, our diversity became counterproductive. Whereas our diversity is a ni'mah, is a rahmah. Sayyidina Umar bin Abdulaziz used to say, I'm so happy the Sahaba differed. Because if they agreed on everything, it would be really hard for everyone to like be like that. Right? That diversity brings rahmah. The third thing that we talked about is not selling out, man. Not giving in. Standing up for the marginalized, partnering with those people who are most impacted, being unapologetically Muslim in the face of our challenges. The fourth lesson that we take is everyone needs a sheikh. Everybody needs a teacher. That's one of our biggest challenges. Uh, I met a brother once in Egypt. He told me I spent 10 years, American convert brother, mashallah, 10 years bouncing from teacher to teacher to teacher because every teacher I would find, people would tell me there's something wrong with this teacher. He said, eventually I heard that the best place to go was Egypt because there was this great teacher. So I went there and I started to study with this teacher and then people told me, this guy also is not good. So I said, are you trying to tell me you spent 10 years listening to how bad all the teachers were and you haven't learned even how to read Quran? He said, this is exactly what I'm telling you. But we see that the Prophet he has a teacher, Sayyidina Jibreel. And we see in Surat Kaf, that Sayyidina Musa alayhi salatu salam هَلْ تُعَلِّمُنِ مِمَّا عُلِمْتَ رُشْدَ He has a teacher. Right? He has someone. And that's why I, I push Muslim non-profits to make sure the entry points to real religious education for young men and women in our community are as wide open as possible. Right? They, they have to be wide open. If the Imam is busy, you know, doing like divorce court and judge duty, but not given the time to teach, then the role of the imam has been compromised. It's like going to Kebab King and ordering Chipotle. 
Like, it makes absolutely no sense to order Chipotle there, or vice versa. But we see Sayyidina Musa has a teacher, and he has adab. لا أعصي لك أمرا Like, uh, it's okay, like, it's fine. I, I don't agree with you, but like, I'm not going to give you any problems. إنك لن تستطيع معي صبرا And the teacher disciplines him. Tells him, you need to work on your patience. He doesn't get upset and write a blog post about it. And say, like, my days will khadr. Today, Khadr yelled at me and told me to be patient. I hate my religion, hashtag. No, he understands that he's headed somewhere with this person. The last two lessons, and we'll finish quickly, is the need to organize and work with others. And we find this with Musa, and we find this with Dhal Qarnayn. The ability to partner and work and create strategic relationships with people, as we've seen now in this city, a number of really profound strategic relationships with people in this city that have helped us accomplish the greater good for our community. Civil, civic, civil servants in the Muslim community are performing incredible tasks that are serving their local communities, regardless of faith, religious, background, or ethnicity. Look at Brother Bashir Jones in Cleveland now, who's there serving that community after years of neglect, making sure that houses that need to be torn down or torn down in the neighborhood not turned into drug dens. Right, going out and talking to people that are affected by crime, even the people engaging in criminal activity, trying to help them get to where they can be GEDs, education, training. That's the role of a Muslim. A Muslim, no offense to you guys, is the one who scaffolds not only buildings, but scaffolds the society and the hearts that he lives and she lives amongst. And the last is understanding that sometimes not knowing is a good thing. The Prophet said that thurthul ilm qawlu la adri. Right, a third of knowledge is to say, I don't know. One of my teachers used to say, the most difficult thing for anybody ever to say is Allahu A'lam. Allah knows. But we see as the Qurnayn engages a community that he doesn't understand and he knows that they can't understand him. What does he do? It's a very important principle in community organizing. Step up. But step back. That sometimes strategically, I don't have to have, say, I have an opinion on everything. I don't know everything. I understand Kendrick Lamar has taught you a lot and J. Cole got a new album out today. I get that, but that's not enough to understand the intricacies of the world yet. And that's one of the things I try to tell religious imams. Like, just because you're an imam doesn't mean you know everything. So, we see that Dhal Qurnay is able to step back and say, you know what, the best thing I can do is mute my position on this issue and step back. So, there's a number of very important principles that we take from Sultan Kaf that we can reflect on. Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, working together as a community and appreciating our differences. Not, not selling out for the sake of quick utility. That also doesn't mean don't be wise. Right, don't go out and start going crazy. You know, to be smart before you're brave is two braveries. But also, to be careful of this dunya, we see the guy in the garden, we didn't talk about it. Not to just live for this world. You know, Don't get caught up in this world, don't get caught up in this dunya. Because that will melt away principles and priorities. I talked to Yusuf Collins, the son of Ella Collins, who is Malcolm X's sister. And he said, when Minister Malcolm came, came to his aunt and said, I want to be Malcolm X, she made him take a vow of poverty. She said, promise me that you'll embrace poverty because where you're headed 
is not a place for people that are looking for dunya. Subhanallah. And then we talked about the need for a, a teacher, a need to have people around us. And, and they must say, halaka will be su sufficient. People like Imam Khalid, Sister Mona, Sheikh Fayaz, Sheikh Imam Siraj Wahaj, Imam, Imam Talib in Harlem. Numerous Imams and teachers in the area that you should be able to go to and say, listen, I just need some tech support. Imams should function like tech support. Then we said the importance of working with other communities and creating strategic alliances. And then the last, and this will also be important when you get married, knowing when to be quiet, brothers and sisters. Knowing when to step up and step back on issues. I don't have to have a voice on everything. I can divorce my ego from my engagement of the community. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make the Quran beloved to us. We ask Allah to continue to bless this incredible MSA. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assist you in your studies, which are the most important thing right now. May Allah facilitate the exams which are awaiting you like a guillotine awaits someone soon to be killed. We ask Allah, sorry, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless you with all of your fears that you may have that they will be placated and that the things that you fear the most are made easy for you. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect your health, to protect your minds, to protect your spirits, to give you a sense of true value and love and appreciation in our community here at the ICE at NYU. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our parents, to bless our relationship with our parents. We ask Allah to bless our marriages, to bless our children. We ask Allah to make us a blessing to the society around us, to make us true allies to those who are most impacted by strategic and structural challenges. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our brothers and sisters overseas in every Muslim country. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifically to bless our hearts and to make us aware of Allah's presence in our life. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.